So here's a deep philosophical question to uh, open things up with. Are you still sheltering in place? I'm not being facetious. I'm actually really asking. Are you still doing that? I'm sure some of you are, and I'm sure some of you aren't. <laughs> I think you're, uh, you're getting your food by curbside pickup. I think you're going to the grocery store wearing a mask. Maybe you're hanging out with a friend, taking a little hike, walking the dog, uh, both masked up. Uh, not the dog, but you and your friend. Anyway, I have this nagging feeling that there are some of you out there who are thinking about some secret sexy fun. And uh, I know, I know you've been pent up inside for the last few months, and this is not over. Uh, but you, uh, you see an opportunity to meet somebody for some clandestine sexy times. And uh, look, I don't think you should do it. I mean, I, I understand temptation. I, I mean, in theory, I do. No one's, no one's offering that to me. So I understand it theoretically. <laughs> but I don't think you should do it. I think you should stay in your room, do your work, write stuff, create stuff, clean up stuff. <laughs> I sound like I'm grounding you. Anyway, look, there will be plenty of time for sexy stuff later. Right now... Uh, just take care of your health and keep writing me letters. The letters keep coming in, and uh, maybe there's a part of me that feels that if you guys start going out, uh, the letters will decrease. We're getting hundreds every week, and uh, I love the attention. Here's one today from Ben from New Hope, Pennsylvania. Ben writes, Dear Alex, listening to you is like discovering Austin, Texas five years ago. You want to tell all your friends about it, but then you worry and urban outfitters will suddenly go in and the neighborhood will look a little different. To clarify, you're hipster chic without trying, and I hope future advertisers won't muddle with your authenticity. Ben, you're a sweet guy, thinking we have advertisers. He goes on to write, Alex, my question for you is this. In your humble opinion, what's a song a popular artist should be known for rather than the one that they're known for already? For example, Dave Matthews has Ants Marching, Van Morrison has Moondance, and Earth, Wind, and Fire have September, when really it should be in order, so right, Into the Mystic, and Can't Hide Love. Thanks for reading, and more importantly, for continuing to churn out the new gold standard in podcasting. Ben, thank you for the kind words. Very sweet. And uh, that is quite a list. Um, all right, I get what you mean. Someone is known for a signature song, but you're saying they have other songs that are more powerful and distinctive than the one that they're most associated with. Ben, a challenging question, but I get it, and I'm up for it. So, here we go. All right, so off the top of my head. Um, all right, I would say Sam Cooke is known for Cupid, but he should be known for Bring It On Home to Me. Amy Winehouse is known for Rehab, but she should really be known for Love is a Losing Game. I'm on a roll here. I'm going to keep going, Ben. Uh, Beethoven is known for Symphony Number no. 9, but he should really be known for Number 8? <laughs> is that one good? I don't know. I don't know my Beethoven. 7? How about that one? How about Number 3? No one talks about 3. Uh, I really don't know, Ben, but I get the idea. And uh, those, are my, those are my picks. Now, speaking of Urban Outfitters, Ben, uh, what are they known for? What's their signature? What's their signature thing? That high-waisted kick flare pant? But what should they be known for? 
Well, I like those toasty, heatable plushies. Ben, I like those things. Uh, They should also be known for making everyone who goes to Coachella look exactly the same. Thank you, Urban Outfitters. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. You fuck me like I love you. You're lucky I'm still here. Cause it's only make-believe when I'm writhing in the sheets beside you. Don't mean to be so brutal. Sometimes the pain is kind. Now my heart is growing numb, so I guess I should move on without you. music of my guest today on the program, Salt Ashes. Let me tell you a little bit about Salt Ashes. Momentum. Well, it's a funny thing. It gives you movement, sure, but it also gives you movement away from where you were, which means you end up somewhere else. And if you keep that momentum going, you're going to end up somewhere other than the somewhere else I was just talking about. Well, for Salt Ashes, that momentum is propelling her to new heights of creativity and wonder every single day. The sobriquet for the British-born Vega Sanchez, Salt Ashes showed up in 2014 on the electro dance scene with a seemingly endless array of dark synth-pop arrows in her musical quiver. She quickly had hits with Somebody and If You Let Me Go, both hitting the top five on Billboard and the Music Week dance charts. And a year later, she put out the kinetic track, Rated, which tore the roof off over at Spotify. Her debut album was a winning first entry. She got support from the BBC, Clash, and The Guardian, and she wrote and sang on Christian Nairn's For Love. Plus, along the way, she opened up for everyone from Say Lulu to Femme. And she hasn't stopped. In fact, her new EP, Counting Crosses, marks the latest evolutionary step for a truly beguiling talent. A dreamy blend of dark disco, electro soul, and goth pop, Salt Ashes is a stirring and wondrous singer, making every number come alive with a pulsating urgency. She's mysterious, she's massively talented, and she's bewitchingly cool. And I know you're going to love her. Let's meet Salt Ashes, shall we? Enjoy this chat right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. You know, I'm, I'm okay, obviously... It's, there's a lot to, to kind of think about and quite often it gets a little bit overwhelming, but generally 
it's fine. I have a studio set up at home. I live with five people. So I'm very, I feel very lucky at the moment to um, be living with people. So I'm not in complete solitude because I just think people who are living by themselves are finding it very difficult. Um, and we have a garden here as well. And as I said, I've got my studio set up here so I can, I can kind of keep creating and keep making things. And um, so I do feel quite lucky in, in, in this time, really. Are the people that you live with, are they artists? There's one, one artist, but everyone else um, have, has different jobs. We actually have one A&E doctor um, who's to and fro A&E and um, a videographer and architect. Everyone's quite creative in the house, um, but we've got one other artist, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like artistic people, this has not really changed the rhythm of their lives. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think if you're, if you're a creative person, usually you're quite used to working from home, um, unless you have some other kind of studio space or whatever. And, and in my down periods, if I'm not working with other people, I'm very used to being at home working um, from my studio here. So for me, it's quite, it's quite easy to be in a bubble. It's quite easy to, to just be in your own little world, be kind of living your normal life and forget what's going on outside. Um, so I do have to kind of stop and reflect every now and then and realize just, um, yeah, how, how lucky I am, as I said before, um, with the position that I'm in. Cause I know that for a lot of people, it's really, really tough at the moment. Yeah. Well, are you able to bubble up pretty well with four other people in the house or, I mean, in other words, is it four or five people in, in addition to you? There's, there's five other people. So okay. six of us in total. Yeah. It's quite a lot. Okay. So do you have the space where you, can create you can record and not be self-conscious that like i'm being too loud people are listening yeah like how do you have that sort of um that your own lane to create that way so i i do think that people can hear me in the house I'm, in fact i know that people can hear me in the house but everyone's so um no one really minds no one minds it and I'm not the kind of person to be making a lot of noise late into the night anyway like i I, I do write quite late, but I'm not singing very loud. So they're all, they're all very um, laid back and chilled anyway. So I have um, a home studio in my room and I can record vocals from here. Actually, a lot of the vocals that I've recorded and released have been recorded here um, in my bedroom or, or in some bedroom that I've lived in <laughs> throughout the years. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, everything's set up. Um, I'm not too self-conscious uh, because everyone's really, you know, malleable and easy with it. So it's it's a pretty ideal setup. Obviously, I'd love to have a separate studio that I could go to, but it, you know, we just got to roll with the punches, right? Well, yeah. Do you like living with that many people, or do you? Because I find a lot of creative people are they're used to spending so much time by themselves. Mm. Um, do you like having that many people around you? Well, right now it's amazing because <laughs> they're yeah. the only people that I really see. So I'm so grateful for it because as I said, we, we are kind of in our own little bubble. If, if we didn't have the doctor who was going from the A&E ward, dealing with COVID patients every day and coming back, it would be so easy just to completely be oblivious to everything that was going on outside. Especially because you look out our window and there's people walking around. Um, obviously they're on their daily exercise that they're allowed to do. Um, but it just feel it just you look outside and it just looks normal. Um, so at the moment, living with five people is a complete blessing because it feels 
you know, like we're having, it feels like Christmas. Right. <laughs> it's like a holiday. Yeah, it's a holiday. And we ha- yesterday we had a barbecue. Last weekend we had a barbecue as well for one of our housemates' birthdays. It's quite nice. We're, we're, everyone's still working, um, which, is, which is really good. But we're able to take time, um, more time than usual, to kind of spend all together and eat together and cook for each other. And all, o- the, all of those like wholesome things that maybe you would ordinarily not have time for or not think that you have time for anyway. It sounds like you're living sort of a zany pandemic sitcom life. Yeah, it's like Friends. Right. It's like <laughs> it's like Friends in the time of of uh, a global disease. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the people that oh god, it's it's so awful. But um, yes, as I said, I feel I feel very very lucky right now. Now but what a weird time? It's so weird. Gosh. I know it's a really weird time, but you, I gotta say. I've known you now for seven minutes and you don't sound stressed. No, because, I mean, it's easy for me to say because I'm not stressed, but it's, it's just not helpful. It's not helpful to me. It's not helpful to anyone if I sit here and worry about it. I mean, it, it, you know, it, I understand why people do and it, it's very easy just to get very overwhelmed with it all and sink deeper into a hole of like thinking about the consequences and what's going to happen in the future and da, da, da. but all we can do is um try and remain positive try and look out for yourself number one and look out for each other number two and just stay calm and see what happens because at the end of the day we don't have much control other than to stay at home and minimize the spread that's right everything outside of that is really out of our control so it's, I, th- I kind of live that way generally in life as much as I can. Obviously, I have down. To be honest, today I had a really, really down day. I, f- I felt really low for, n- for no reason. It wasn't necessarily because of the situation. It was just I had a really low day. And when I have those days, it would be very easy for me to sit, sit and think, why am I feeling low? And then attach it to lots of different things in my life. And then if I did that, then those things in my life would become even more daunting and would swarm me and then I'd just get into his hole but instead what I did today if I can obviously it's not always as easy but just to go okay I'm having a really shit day today I'm just gonna feel low I'm gonna cry a bit I'm gonna lie on my bed and I'm gonna watch some Netflix which I don't normally do during the day but I was like I'm just gonna do it and um tomorrow will be better but actually tonight I feel so much better because I just allowed myself just to go with it and just be like cool you know just feel that way um so yeah I mean it, I know it's very difficult for people but I think at the end of the day we just need to try and stay calm I mean just to put a button on that so if you are feeling mm. having a down day your strategy is let's just wait for the storm to pass yes I just yeah I try not to analyze it too much and just accept that I'm feeling low okay I'm feeling low today and I just ride out and I do whatever I feel that's going to be kind to myself in that moment. Um, so today I did some meditating and then I was like, okay, no more meditating. I'm just going to watch some Netflix, right. some good food and just, just chilled and just kind of listened to what I wanted to do and just went with it rather than, because on some, some other days I would, I could give myself a hard time and, and go, no, you need to be productive. And then I'd be in this constant battle with myself and that just doesn't, help me in the long run it doesn't help my mental state in the long run it just prolongs 
the that that negative feeling but if I just accept it and just go okay I'm just gonna ride this out I'm not gonna analyze it I'm not gonna try and put it onto something and say oh I'm feeling low because of this because of that because of that I'm just gonna have a low day and then tomorrow will be better <laughs> yeah is that a cue for you also to create or do you prefer not to create when you're feeling that way so it, it, it really it differs to be honest with you um, but today was a day where I was just nothing I just didn't want to do anything I was like no I'm not in I'm not in any creative headspace I don't even want to think about music I didn't want to because I think if I started thinking about music I think I may have spiraled more because maybe I could have thought about you know what's going to happen in my career because of this situation or where am I when's the next time I'm going to play a live show because of the situation you know it's very it'll be very right. easy for me to spiral um so I for today I was just just shut the whole world out I barely saw my housemates and I just stayed in my room and just did the things that I wanted to do but there are other times where I think usually if it's if I'm feeling low about a situation like specifically like if something has happened um, like I've had an argument with someone or whatever, that's when I get creative. That's where I really want to express myself and put what I'm feeling into words. But today there, there wasn't, it's not, there was nothing specific. It, I was just feeling down. I was just feeling sad. And I don't know, I didn't, I couldn't explain it. I was just sad. <laughs> I don't know right. if people felt that way. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And you sort of like, and when that happens, you just sort of have to keep company with it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You just need to write it out and just accept it. But I think the natural human response is to, is to question and say, why am I feeling this way? And then you, within a second, you go, oh, I'm feeling this way because of the overwhelming situation that we're in right now, or I'm feeling this way because I miss my family or I feel this way. But the, and I did that for a second today and that just made me feel even worse because then you do, you start overanalyzing everything and then going deeper into this hole and, and then that's when I was like, no, no, just stop. And as I said before, just stop and accept it. And it's not about anything. You're just having a day and just accept and just allow yourself to have that day. And then tomorrow you can move on, you know? Right. Cause it's like an uninvited guest and you just kind of go, okay, we're just going to hang out together until you. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. I just hung out with, I just hung out with my bud today. We yeah. just watched Netflix. We watched uh, Kim's Convenience on Netflix all day. <laughs> Yeah, with me and this friend I didn't invite over, and then and then they just left. <laughs> it, they they without even saying goodbye, they yeah. left. I didn't I didn't even notice they'd gone, and then I was like, oh, I've, this has shifted. What's shifted right now? Right. Uh huh. They've so, gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think you'll hear from them again? God, I hope not. I know, right? But I'm sure they will come knocking yeah. on my door again or burst again. But, you know, I got to say, I, I'm glad that they do come back because I feel like life is about contrast. And if you didn't have those moments where, you know, you have those down feelings, then you wouldn't really be able to appreciate the ones where you're happy, you know, because there'd be no understanding. It would all feel the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, each day will roll into one and you'll, yeah, exactly. There's more gratitude as well in those moments of happiness, as you say, um, and I mean, that's what life is about, isn't it? Life is about life and uh, light and darkness and right. ups and downs. And it's what creates stories and it's what creates songs as well. So, um, yeah, I totally agree with that. 
what tell me what happened to you when you moved to london like what did you start to feel like what was awakened in you creatively um i think just the act of moving was a really big deal for me because i'd always lived down south and down that uh part of the country my entire life and even though London was only a 50 minute journey away from Brighton it felt like such a big deal to move to like the big city and even just the act of doing that just felt like such a shift in myself um, and a growth um, the reason why I moved was because I'd broken up with my ex who I was in a long-term relationship with and and my dad had died a couple of years before so it felt like this quite a very just a very heavily changing period in my life where I lost two very big like large male figures in my or role models or whatever in my, in my life and then moving to London was kind of like oh okay I'm gonna be properly an adult now you know yeah and um so even just the act of it just just shifted it made, made something shift in, in my brain and and what it did was open up a world of new people new possibilities i mean it's such a cliche but it really was new possibilities because even just having new people in your life um that you meet and you work with it just changes everything and it and then you start creating differently and all of these new ideas and inspirations come in and all of a sudden there's like this new juice and new like it's just fire within you and and london as we all know there's so much drive here like brighton is lovely and beautiful and idyllic but there is a definite kind of sit back energy um and kind of just ride a wave and it's very um easy going and chilled and which is awesome for one part of your life but i needed more and london has that drive and healthy competition um and it's and it's still there for me now i thought i was going to move to to london and i thought i was going to be here for six months and just to try it out and then i was going to go back to brighton and you know three years later i'm still here and still loving it and still meeting new people and just having the best experiences do you feel creatively do you feel that you're at your most potent right now in other words do you feel more the creative fire than you've than you've ever felt yeah, absolutely. I think I think for me that's probably a lot to do with age as well because um, I just feel like the older I get, the more comfortable I am in my skin, which is obviously a lot of people feel. Um, and because of that, I have less insecurities with my writing and just a, a kind of more like fuck it attitude. Like you know, I'm just I feel more content with myself in in just writing whatever comes out. Whereas before there was so much analysis that I put on myself um which totally hinders you as a writer and just puts a stop on the creative juices flowing and I don't feel like I have that as much now so I do feel like I mean maybe that's always going to be the case maybe if you ask me this question in five years time maybe I would say the same maybe I'd be like yes I'm at my peak right now right. um which I hope I hope it just continues to grow and grow and grow um, but yeah, right now I feel very comfortable in, in my voice, I guess, as in my, my, my songwriting voice, um, and just feel, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are days where 
all that self-doubt comes flooding back and and I sit there and I'm and I try and write and nothing comes out and then I go oh my god I'm a shit writer and everyone's gonna suss it out everyone's you know that that kind of that fear that everyone's going to suss out that you're an imposter, yeah, <laughs> imposter syndrome. What is it? Imposter syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a real I thing. Have that. Yeah. I have that all the time. Um, so as much as I'm sat here going like, oh yeah, I'm so, like, everything's so great right now. It's, it's definitely not always like that. There, there are, it's probably 50, 50, I would say, but um, before it was probably more, you know, 20% was when I was feeling really good and 80% was when I was, consistently slamming myself that I was the terrible singer and a terrible songwriter and so at least it's you know 50 50 now I get it I mean I teach college I teach university for a living and I've been doing it for 20 years and I keep waiting for people to go this guy is stupid (laughs) (laughs) it's mad isn't it that we have those those uh, thoughts because I mean you've obviously you know you've established yourself and you're there for a reason for many reasons probably but yet out that self-doubt in us and and I don't I obviously we haven't um actually met but um I, I would assume are you a confident person generally uh, I, yeah I, ge- I think I yeah. Generally am yeah yeah, which which is me. I, I feel like you know when I first meet someone, I feel quite confident with them with them myself. So it seems crazy that we would have all of these self doubts and all of those voices in our head in in certain moments that go, "You're shit," blah, 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 you know, and put and put ourselves down because it's just yeah. crazy. Like, where do they come from? I know, I know these voices, but there are times where you play a show or you write a song, and you go, "Okay, well." nobody can fuck with me. Like I just, (laughs) right. You have those moments. And then there's other moments where you go, I am a joke. And it's just, (laughs) you have that juxtaposition. And it's a very weird headspace to always, you're you're never really comfortable. Do you think that that's just being a creative person? Or do you think (laughs) that everyone has that? I think that it, it, because I'm a writer and I I do Mm. think that it, it has a lot to do with being tied into being a creative person. I really, mm, you think that you yeah. I think so. Yeah, I do think so. Although having said that, I live with an architect and sometimes he has the same feeling. So, but then that's also, he's a very creative person too. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, it, it possibly is. Um, I don't, it's just such a, well, like, I don't know if, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sort of exclude realtors from the conversation. Yes. I mean, I don't know if a realtor ever goes like, I'm the worst seller of houses. <laughs> In the nation. <laughs> <I think. laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. Uh, but I, I also think that doubt is like so. For example, I, I'm a poet, and I, I wrote this mm. poem the other day, and I thought, well, this is like exactly what I wanted to do. Like I love what I did, mm. and I, I went the next day and did something else, and I thought, I am the worst. <laughs> Oh. what am I doing <laughs> what? like the, the good thing that happened was clearly a fluke or a deal with the devil I made at one point I'd forgot about um, and then do you do you have that thing where you've written something like this poem and a week later you say well, where did that even come from like, yes. I don't even remember how did that begin where did that where I don't understand did I write that yeah, I have that all the time. So I, I was getting, I was picking up some uh, Ethiopian food in Berkeley because I'm in the Bay Area of California, oh, wow. 
and I'd been listening to the Go-Betweens, the Australian band, the Go-Betweens. And mm -hmm. they said to me, oh, we're really busy. This is when restaurants were open. Um, and they were like, so it'll be 20 minutes. And I said, okay. And I sat there and I wrote probably my favorite thing I've ever written. And I have no recollection mm -hmm. of actually writing it. I just remember being there. Mm. Has that ever happened to you? It's, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, specifically with um, my track, my, one of my songs, If You Let Me Go, which was, mm. I think, my second single. I have no idea how, where that came from it, because I wrote that within an hour and that's never happened to me since, but it was just, I'd been, I'd been writing all day and I don't even know where that song went, but I was writing all day. And then the last hour I just wrote, if you let me go and it just came out and it was like, Oh, okay. This is great. Actually. <laughs> like yeah. how did that, and, and now I, 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 listen back to that song and it's like someone else wrote it it's not even like I wrote it which is crazy right. right it's like when you are not aware that your hands are on the handlebars and then you let the, mm. the bicycle just take you into the creative ether that's when the good stuff happens yeah I think it's definitely a lot to do with your mental like if you get into like a meditative state they they often say that the best writing happens in the middle of the night or when you first wake up because you're in this state of just mental calmness. You wake up and you don't have all that chatter in your brain and that's when you're able to, like maybe some of your best ideas will happen there or in the middle of the night. A lot of people wake up in the middle of the night and a song idea comes to them because our brains are not infused with all of the you know, outside world crap that's going on or like all of the all of your daily worries that you have um and I think as a writer sometimes it's difficult to get into that space in the middle of the day um, I think it's a skill for sure but you do need to clear your brain to kind of otherwise otherwise you get those thoughts coming in all the time saying no that's that's rubbish that's not good and, and it hinders you and, and as I said before when I was younger that happened to me a lot when I would sit down to write it, it would take me such a long time to write because I would start an idea and instantly I would go, no, no, that's, that's rubbish. And I'd scrap it. Um, but what that would do would mean that I would probably spend like five weeks writing one song or something because you would just constantly go, no, that's, no, that's rubbish. That's rubbish. That's rubbish. That's rubbish. But what you need to do is just kind of, as you say, free your mind and um, just write whatever comes out and don't analyze it too much because actually you might look back on it in a week and go, fuck, that's great. Right. right. <laughs> you know? I, um, I love that thing where you write something, maybe you go to a cafe or whatever and you write something and you go, oh, that's so good. And then you look at it the next day and you go, oh, fuck, that's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it's awful. What am I doing? <laughs> and the other way around as well, you write something and you're like, oh God, that's so bad. And then you, and then you find the, the note on your phone two years later or something like that. And you're like, wow, who wrote that? <laughs> like, oh, that was, that was me. Why, why did I not run with that idea? Such an idiot. I mean, in, in many ways, we are the best arbiters of what we write and we're also the worst. I know. I know this is a daily battle. <laughs> yeah, it's a daily battle for creative people, and I think you you are always going to be having that battle. And but I think that as you as you get a little further along in your art, um, and, and it's good for people to hear because because people who listen to the show are very creative and they always think about this stuff. I think, um, but the mm. further you get on, 
I think you know what not to allow in. So at least at least you know what what shouldn't be there. And sometimes that can that can help you. What do, what do you mean by that? I mean like you would say okay like well that phrase that's not a phrase I would ever want in my song or or in my right. song or um that image is not an image that I, that even feels good to me. So I'm not I'm not going to put that. You become better at sort of um kind of um I guess you would say like sifting through your thoughts mm. and you wouldn't put down the stuff that you you're always like you're you're having like almost like I guess like an allergy to it where you go like yeah oh, right like I'm not gonna put I'm not gonna put stars in my song yes oh, I, I know what you're saying yeah no definitely I think there's also um there's something in that too to say that quite often I'll write well it's difficult because quite often I'll write something that I would never normally write but bec and because I don't normally write a phrase like that initially I'm I think oh no no that's not right because I'm not in my comfort zone but sometimes I think okay I'm just gonna live with it and then a week later I come back and I think okay it's not what I would normally write but actually it's different it's different um from every, every not everything else because I'm not saying I'm unique but you know different from everything in my previous work and therefore actually there's a beauty in that um so sometimes instead of seeking comfort I try and push outside of that to try and do something or say something that feels a little awkward to me ah. and then and, and I and I allow myself to live with it for a while and for a while it will feel awkward but all of a sudden there's this moment where I'm singing it through and I'm like wow that suddenly fits or, or I may I may spend some time trying to change it and realize that no the awkwardness is actually what I want now and this that that feels natural and that feels right now but the but you do need to I do need to kind of sit with it and, and live with it for a while to not feel awkward but it's just it's it's that whole putting yourself out of your comfort zone thing we're, we're very it's very easy to constantly write within your comfort zone and think that that's right for you I mean there is no right or wrong right, right. in writing um but think that that's good but then sometimes if you just kind of step out of your comfort zone and write something that's not within that then there some sometimes there's beauty and magic that happens in the taking of that chance. And I think, you know, for you sonically, are you willing, how far out there are you willing to go? Um, because if you look at something like, I don't know, like I think about like tricky or massive attack and I think like, I listen to them, I never know what's coming. Um, mm. which I always loved. Um, it could go any, any direction. Do you feel that you're open to, sonically to any direction are you willing to sort of throw anything in there if it makes sense to you if it if it if it makes me feel something then absolutely i always just go with what what kind of moves me and what creates some kind of emotion in me i I always like to try and, you know, as I say, push, step out of my comfort zone and try and um, progress the sound. But it has to, it has to move me, and 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 I always want my songs to have some kind of journey within it because I want people to go on the journey with me. 
Um, so as long as it does that, then yes. And I feel that with the EP that I've just released, that was kind of what Louis, the producer, and I were trying to achieve. Like I wanted, um, I wanted first, first of all, a cohesive sound within the, the four tracks, but I wanted a, a progression with, from this EP to um, compared to the previous stuff, which was a lot more um, lighter and, and dancier. It's still, a, still a darkness, but this I wanted to be darker. And with the next stuff, I'm sure there's going to be something else which is in there, but ultimately I just want everything to move people and feel something. And I want it to be interesting from start to finish as well. Um, so that people want to listen to the full piece as one piece rather than just listening to a verse and a chorus, you know? Well, does it excite you that your work is, is an evolution? So one, like a new EP opens the door to the next thing, um, right? And that when you look back on it, it'll be like, you know, sort of looking back at snapshots of a time period. But do you feel you're headed somewhere specific or is it, is it hard to know? It's definitely, it's hard to know. Yeah, for sure. I think with this EP, I, um, the reason why I wanted to do an EP was because I wanted a cohesive piece of work because since the album, we've been releasing singles. And even though that was a choice of mine, it just got to the point where I was desperate for something to feel like an entire, like a section of my life that was all put together. And when I was releasing single by single, it just, it, it, I wasn't kind of getting that satisfaction, which now from this EP I have. And I feel like when I look back on this, as you say, I'm, I am going to have that feeling and be able to reminisce. And it's going to take me back to this moment in my life. Um, and it's a really special moment. Like I, I, this EP to me is very, very special. Um, it's completely what I wanted to create, like from start to finish. The, the process was amazing working with Louis from, from the moment that we began the song to the moment that we ended it. Very cohesive, very um, a collaborative experience as well in the production. Um, and that made me, it's made, it's made me more excited for future, um, what's, gonna, what's gonna come in the future basically and what I'm, what I'm gonna create now because I think there was a moment where I thought, you know, all the time, yeah. Like I just sometimes you just feel like, oh no, I'm stuck in I'm stuck in this space, and I don't know where I'm going to go from here. And you suddenly don't know who you are as an artist, and right. um, you know, like you have your sound, but you think, oh god, am, am I always going to have this sound? And can I not create anything else? Like, do I not evolve as an artist? Um, so I'm I'm really grateful that this did come from me, and this it was a natural thing and it wasn't something that was forced because I had to or whatever so because of that it, it's inspired me and it's made me feel like okay yeah I, I am evolving as an artist and it's all been very natural and I'm looking forward to what's going to come next now yeah and the thing about our show is that we are all about what comes next you know we don't spend a lot of time on the past um mm. and I find that artists really like that because you know, even though sometimes you're talking about like the new thing you did, it's almost more exciting to talk about the thing you haven't done yet. Yeah, absolutely. God. And you know, right now that's, that's quite um, a dense question, isn't it? Especially because of what's going on right now. I mean, we have 
so much time to create and think about what's going to come next and what you want to get your teeth sunk into. But at the same time, because of what's going on, it's um, a lot of headspace is, is kind of sent towards that and other people. And like I know personally, I'm spending quite a lot of time talking to lots of different people and reaching out to people and um, people who might be in need or who live alone. And I'm also volunteering for the NHS right now um, to basically drop in groceries and um, uh, pharmaceutical medication if people need it and things like that. So as much as I have a lot of time, you know, in theory to create and think about the next thing, there's also, I'm kind of just trying to get through the epidemic, the pandemic that's going on right now. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of, is such a weird um position to be in right now but I feel like we're going to settle into things and I'm going to settle into things in the next couple of weeks and I think that's when I'm going to want to start creating again and sort of thinking about what's coming next musicians to 
um, you know, because revenue streams are connected to live shows now more than ever. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of musicians are sort of looking at the landscape and going, you know, canceling tours and, you know, postponing, mm -hmm. um, you know, shows. And I think that it's caused a lot of alarm in the artistic community mm -hmm. of, well, that's how I was going to make, you know, make money mm -hmm. for the next four months. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's scary because when the world, you know, when this is over, and I use that, I, I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. um, will people be willing to jump back into a nightclub? I mean, you wonder what that's even going to look like. I know. I, I was talking about that today, actually, saying, you know, I wonder when the next live show that I perform is going to be and how that's even going to look like. What's that, what is it even going to look like? Because are people going to be scared to go to a, a, a gig? You know, right. I'm sure, I'm sure 50% of people that would, would, would have attended will probably be worried to go, you know? I mean, um, what about a movie or a restaurant or? Exactly. A, all of it. It's, yeah. it's, we're going to be living in a different world um, for a while. No one knows what that's going to look like. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows? All, all we can do is speculate. But um, at the end of the day, um, I have, you know, I, I'm sure, I'm, hopefully for you as well, we have roofs over our heads. Um, you know, we're healthy still. Um, and I, I just as long as that still main, remains the same, then um, everything else, as much as I desperately want it to go back to normal, we'll just have to see what happens. I'm feeling. I don't know if you feel this way, but I'm feeling this thing where I go, okay, when this is over, will I feel that I use that time wisely? Like, I feel like I should have read all of Charles Dickens' books and I haven't. <laughs> do, you feel, uh, do you feel a pressure, a bit of a pressure for that? I'm starting to feel, I've, I've been doing a lot of writing, so that's been really good. Um, you know, I've been podcasting like crazy. I, you know, it's not, mm. I, it's not that I haven't been productive, but I wonder if I should have been more productive do you feel that way or do you feel that you pretty pretty relaxed about that I spent the first two weeks before lockdown had even started um just dossing about and doing absolutely nothing and just just going like well I don't want to do anything so I'm just gonna watch <laughs> Netflix and make some food and and then the week after I started to get productive but I tend to just roll with how I'm feeling and um, I don't know I think I go in and out of it to answer your question really because some days I think yeah I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and um, you know I'm gonna make sure I get up every morning and write in my diary and, and then other days I think you know what just chill the fuck out and just 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 live and just be okay and just be healthy and the the main thing for me is my mental health and um fitness and looking after everyone else so as long as i'm okay mentally physically and everyone else surrounding me is okay and if i can help them where i can i do that then that's the most important thing for me and then everything else i'll have bouts of productivity and the bouts of not and that's okay it's all good. I think it's crazy to think that every day, you know, we have to be accomplishing massive things. I think that's an absurd mm -hmm. amount of pressure. I yeah, it's, it's way too much pressure. And there's so much going around on social media, like use this time for, to be creative and use this time to learn a language and use this. 
And I, I get it. If you're that kind of person that needs, you know, that has that motivation and wants to do those things and then amazing. Great. But if you're not, then yeah, don't feel that. Don't worry about it. Just let go of that pressure because I think we've got so much other, so many other things going on in our lives and so much other stuff to worry about that if it's not natural to you to want to do all those things and just fine, just let it go. It's fine. Yeah. Not, not, not everyone's going to come out of this like fluent in German or whatever, you know? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's good, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I think that you're, that's really funny. Your, you know, your responsibility as a creative person is to tend your garden, right? In addition to helping other people and being a good citizen and taking care of yourself you have to tend your own creative garden because nobody else is doing it. It's that's your mm. job. Right. So yeah. that, that doesn't have to be done. You don't water every day, you know, no. you just have to sort of look after it, look in on it. And mm -hmm. there are days where you might work eight hours and there are days where you might work eight minutes. And I think both are okay. Absolutely. And I think being a creative person, we've had moments like this, minus the, pandemic that's going on but we've had moments like this where you're just at home and you're creating and that's kind of your life you wake up you do whatever you do in the morning you work out whatever blah blah and then you start creating so for me I do feel like I've been you know isolation for me isn't a big deal because I'm very used to working in my room and I'm very used to being in my studio space and getting creative but you know, throughout the years, throughout the past 15 years, there have been days where I don't want to do that. There are days where I just don't feel creative and I just want to do something else and that's okay. And it goes, it's the same during this period, but it's just a lot of other people are not used to working from home or not used to being at home for such a long time. So it's all very new to them and all those feelings of, oh my God, I'm not being creative today. I don't know what to do about it. Like I'm such a failure a new feeling to them whereas when I'm when I feel that way I just go with it because I felt that so many times before and I know now not to give myself a hard time about it because you can't be a hundred percent on it every single day of the week no matter what it is you're trying to do whether you're working out whether you're making like an epic lunch whether you're you know <laughs> just like writing or you know poetry or whatever it is that you're doing you can't be on it 100% of the day, like it's just every single day of the week. It's just, I mean, kudos to the people that are, and it's amazing if you are, but we're human and it's all right for things to ebb and flow and just be, you know, just be kind to yourself and just allow yourself to feel the things you're feeling. And generally, if you do that, then that period will end up lasting a shorter amount of time than if you try and battle against it. Were you, in my experience. <laughs> no, I, th I think you're 100% right. And I think that it's important to not feel that kind of pressure. But when you, for you, was it, there never was a question that you were going to embark on a creative career. Um, or was there, was there a moment where you weren't sure and you were going to head to something else? Generally, it's always been a creative career. However, there have been, definitely been moments throughout um, where I've questioned it you know moments of difficulties where you think that nothing's happening and 
should I be? It's just that again, the self doubt where you think, yeah. that, well, I'm not, I mean, before it was like, you know, I'm not making any money. I haven't been making any money for such a long time. You know, at the time I was living with my boyfriend's, my boyfriend and his mom. And it's like, Oh my God, you know, it was an amazing house, but it's like, well, am I going to be here forever? And am I just going to be a poor musician forever? Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. So of course there, were, there have been so many moments where I've thought about doing other things. Um, but it would always come back round where I would realize that, that there's not really anything else that I don't, don't, I don't think there's anything else that I could do that I'd be fully happy with. I think there are plenty of things or careers that I could take that I could do and I probably would be all right in, but not as happy as I am now doing this. Yeah, so, I yeah. agree with you. Being creative, it's almost like you don't, you don't need for there to be like, you know, massive success to feel really good about what's happening. Um, mm. it's, it's easy to feed that feeling because I like, for example, um, you know, like being a poet is not a lucrative, <laughs> it's not a lucrative, uh, you know, um, pursuit. However, there are times where I, it sounds really corny, but if I write something I love, I literally feel like the richest person on the planet. Mm, mm, that's a great feeling. Yeah yeah definitely there, there there's a lot of that there's also a lot of the other side <laughs> to be pessimistic but where you don't get like instant gratification or instant like reward for something that you've done right. <laughs> you know right. like you you spend so much time and energy on something and then maybe you release it out and it doesn't quite doesn't quite land the way you want it and you think oh God, I've spent so much of my life <laughs> doing that, putting so much energy into that. But then, as you say, then they have that one moment. Like for me, it's usually live performances as well. Like, but I really, really live for for gigging, and there's nothing like stepping out onto a stage and, and performing to an audience, no matter how small or big the audience is. Like, I just I love that feeling, and I live for that. Do you feel that you? because you sound like me, you sound like you're an extrovert, but you have your introverted moments. Um, mm -hmm. When you get on stage, do you, is that an easy thing for you to do? Or does it take you, uh, you know, a little bit of like mental preparation to go, okay, I got to prepare myself to be an extrovert now, or is it just very natural? Uh, I think it would, I was, it's probably 80% natural, but um, I do need to, I do need to have some like quiet time before the gig just to, get myself into the right into the right mode like it quite often if friends want to come backstage and stuff I often just say do you mind getting the fuck out because I need to just kind of you know just 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 get prepared for it but um being on stage does feel natural but I do I you know I like to be in the right headspace to 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 do that yeah because it is you have to invest something you know you're giving something away when you're mm. performing, right? You're giving. Do you, what about after the show? Do you find that when people talk to you after the show, can you get out of that headspace easier than getting in? Yeah, definitely. Once, once I'm off stage, you have that adrenaline rush. You're like buzzing so much that, you know, I'm, I'm flying after a show. So I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone after that. It's just before, when I, you know, just need to have a bit of quiet time. Also, I'm like saving my voice before the show as well. I don't want to use it too much before I get on stage. So that comes into play quite a lot. And 
quite often people wanting to chat away and I'm always thinking, oh, I just need to save my voice. <laughs> Being that kind of dramatic singer, you know, like, excuse me, I'm on vocal rest, you know. So uh, right. after the show, it's great. I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone, yeah. Do you feel that when you're talking to people after the show that you are, that you're still the persona of Salt Ashes or do you feel you're turning back into yourself? Like, how does that... How do you make that that demarcation make sense to you as a person and an artist? I think when I step off the stage, myself does come, just gradually starts flowing back into me for sure. I think it's only when I'm on stage and probably in video shoots and photo shoots that I kind of embody, fully embody salt ashes. And then... I'm, a, I'm definitely a people person. So as soon as I connect with people or someone on a human level, then I'm just back. I'm just, you know, fully, fully me. Um, yeah, I, I really like connecting with people on a very honest um, level. I don't, I'm not one to kind of keep a persona, you know, kind of between us or whatever. How are you in photo shoots? Um, because I, you know, obviously that's a huge component of what you have to do. Um, are you comfortable with the, with the whole process or did that take some time to get used to? Mm. It, took me, it took me quite a while to get used to it because before I started having sort of professional photo shoots, I was on the other side of the lens. I, I used to do photography and um, for a year I worked in a photo studio, a photography studio, um, as a photographer and so I was way more comfortable on that side of the lens and being on you know being the one that's photographed as much as I was able to look confident inside I was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> stop looking at me stop looking at me stop looking at me right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it took me a good few years to not feel that inner scream like all that inner like child just like yelling at me from inside um now I feel a lot more comfortable I should say it's, it's still not my favorite thing to have photographs taken of me but um I'm I am you get used to it you just get yeah you just get used to it more comfortable I guess is it not your favorite thing because you it, it, because you know that side of the camera that you kind of want to control it in a different way than the person is doing, or do you feel you have editorial input? I think you've just nailed it on the head, which I've never realized that before, but I think it's because I don't have control. I think you're right because I, I do like to be in control <laughs> um, <laughs> quite a lot. Like if I could take my own photos, I mean, but maybe we all have that now with in the selfie, um, you know, world that we live in. Yeah. But um, yeah, I do like to have control. But and but then that's why it's so important to trust the creative people that you're working with. Like to have that trust in your photographer is such a big thing because then you are able to fully relax um, within the photo shoot and just allow them to to do their thing and then you can do that and you, you do your thing so you're not worrying about um what the outcome is and I think I've been very lucky over the years to have found people like that that I have felt very comfortable with that we share this the same creative vision but I think you've definitely knocked it on uh, nailed it on the head with the whole 
control freak aspect of my personality. <laughs> oh, like if I listen to a podcast, I'll go, good podcast, but I wouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when you create a brand, I mean, even subconsciously, I've obviously created this brand without even realizing it. And you have such a strong vision that bringing people into your project is always a scary thing and you have to be so on the level with that person and really um believe that they fully see your vision and fully see where you want to take the project and fully understand you as an artist before you can bring them in um and it's it's difficult sometimes but when 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 it happens it's it's just magic it's totally awesome yeah, I, I just realized how difficult that probably is for a photographer who might even be well-intentioned. I'm sure they are. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. like, my first thought was like, what if they try to hypersexualize? But but let's just say, mm -hmm. let's forget that for a second. What if they say like, oh, we should do it over, let's do a shoot in a field of poppies. And you're like, that's not salt ashes. I mean, they, if they yeah. don't the narrative of what you've been doing, whether it's the wrong geography or iconography or yeah. sexualization, any of that stuff I think is, goes under the same category of you're not really understanding what I'm doing here. You know? Yeah. And I, I think I've only ever had that like really bad one, one time where I've met up with a photographer and they pretty much said that they were like, why don't we have you in um, like a, a bush of um I can't remember what flower they said but like a bush of roses let's just say bush of roses and like it will be very green and very pretty and I was just like have have you actually looked at any of my imagery all it all it did was make me realize that they hadn't done their research exactly and I think yeah I think basically a good photographer or a good stylist or whoever the creative person you're working with they should have done their research and if they've done it well then hopefully they will understand you enough to kind of get the vibe and then once you meet that person and then they you know you guys have a conversation and you can properly um describe what you're going for then it should click but if they haven't done their research beforehand haven't put the work in then yeah it's gonna fall flat on their face <laughs> and for aspiring rock and roll photographers i would say part of that research a huge component of it is listen to the fucking music <laughs> like that. exactly exactly so many times you know i've said oh yeah and this song and they've gone um <laughs> uh, okay that's fine you don't know the title of my song i understand it goes like this and they're like oh yeah 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 i know or what is the video with this and they just don't they just haven't done it you just think that's my that's my biggest music video and you haven't watched it you know that's <laughs> do you I mean, with any with any job that you're pitching for do your fucking research right well 100 percent. i mean that is that is such a massive component because how else like if someone says to you oh a, you know a roses it's like you didn't listen because that yeah. that is not what you're hearing in this music no exactly that's not what's happening here and i yeah. think so yes i do think that and um, a lot of times if i'm going to interview somebody i will if i don't already know i listen to everything i do i read up on them um mm. i like to sort of like sit with it for a little while so i can kind of kind of make sense to what it means to me um mm. and that way it can be a, an interesting conversation where i feel it's richer um mm -hmm. You know, I, I sat with your music for a month and a half before I chatted with you, 
And so yes. I know that like, you can tell if someone makes these editorial decisions, it's like, okay, so you're not paying attention to what I'm saying in these songs. Mm. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's probably more important for you as some, you know, someone who is interviewing an artist, you need to know your shit. Otherwise, well, you're not, A, you're not going to be interested in the artist. So your questions aren't going to be interesting for the people listening. Right. That's right. Um, so I think it is, yeah, it's obviously very important for you, but I'm sure there are so many podcasters and interviewers out there that don't put the research in, but then in turn, that probably makes their material not as interesting to listen to. <laughs> I would imagine. Well, I will tell you something. And I, I maybe I shouldn't even say this, but I'm gonna say it because who gives a shit? Um, years ago, about 15 years ago, I was hanging out with a guy who wrote for Spin. Right. And he told me, I couldn't believe this. Like I still can't believe this is true. Um, but he told me he would sometimes write reviews of the albums without actually listening to the album. <gasps> yeah. I know. Oh. I know. Oh, Lord, Lord, I know. Lord, Lord. He was getting paid, and he was like, "I got to crank it out. It's only going to be a hundred words. I got the bio. I got the bio in front of me. I know who the you know. It sounds like uh, you know. It sounds like, uh, sounds like this and that and that. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, exactly. I don't know why I was going to say UB40, but it sounds like UB40. <laughs> whatever. Okay, whatever. Uh, but and okay, I'll just, I'll just, I'll knock out a hundred words and and make X amount of dollars. And I was horrified by that. That's insane. I know. I know. I mean, but also, where's the joy in that for him? Uh, it's joyless. It's a completely, it's, like, it's yeah. like a, you know, it's a grift. That's, that's fucking stupid. I know. I know. <laughs> I was horrified. And I thought, and he actually said, oh, here, here's what part of the grift was. Um, is that this is a time where you would take CDs and you could return them. You could sell them to like used record stores, right? You would make, so mm. he would get paid for it and then he wouldn't break the seal on the CD so he could sell it back. Oh my, right? oh you, my God. This is shattering my heart and my soul. I know. Oh I know. I was horrified, but it was literally like, it was worse than peeling back the curtain and seeing how Oz is really run. It was just like, yeesh you know Whoa. I know I know I, know. I mean I guess to spin a positive on that that's made potentially made you even more you know interested in the artist and make sure that you do your research because you never want to be that person right right oh it's just so dishonest and I thought who's really winning here this is like that's just mm. everyone's losing and yeah completely uh, oh my god it's you know? Oh, God, no. My thought then is, well, wait a second. Have you ever have you ever not listened to an album and given it a bad review? <laughs> it seems like. Yeah. So were all the album, were all the reviews good? I mean, I can't answer that, but I I have a feeling that they that I he probably went like I'll bet you that if he saw uh, okay, it sounds like this or this, and he thinks this or this are lame, then he probably would give it a a, a bad review, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe maybe he read other reviews. And just pretty much copied them. You're probably right, and and this is in the mm. days where you would have like you'd put, take in forty or fifty CDs to mm. you know to the record store. Um, but all that's changed. But yeah, look at the, there's a little. I dropped a bombshell on my own show. Boom! There you go. It's just that Mic drop. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're you're the one who's supposed to be dropping bombshells, not me. I know. Oh, what the I hell? Know, but how amazing that this happened. <laughs> I, know, I know. You got it out of me. Um, yes. 
what what have you learned about yourself during this time period? Have you found that you, like, in other words, what has revealed itself to you that wouldn't have revealed itself had this not happened? As in the pandemic that we're in? Yeah, like in terms of you as a person, like what have you, whether it's creatively or just from an interpersonal level, um, mm. I love hearing that you're helping. Um, what have you, not that you didn't know this about yourself, but what have you found has, is a muscle that you're exercising more because of the restrictions of the world? Um, I think I've realized that I'm, I can be very disciplined. I can be quite a disciplined person. Um, and I really like structure in my life, um, which I didn't realize that I liked so much <laughs> until recently. Um, and I'm, I guess, I think it's, I've just realized that I, I know myself quite well and going back to everything that we were saying about self-care and just going with the flow, um, that realization of, okay, I've actually learned how to do that in the last how many years. Um, because before it was a battle and now it's just a little, a little hill that I just step over, you know? So it's more, um, yeah, more just real, real realizations of self-care and discipline that I've kind of noticed. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I know what you mean though about structure and about, and I think with structure comes discipline and, and vice mm -hmm. versa. Yeah. I think, it can be really difficult to to do those things to be disciplined and to get structure but once you get them in place it can change your outlook in your in your mental state massively um and just even even just having like boring things like even having a good sleep pattern you know it can really change the way you feel the next day and how you the, the, your productivity and your create your creativity like all of those things everything even just your perspective on life on um how you feel like everything is you know dependent on those those kinds of things all the self-care things that we might overlook sometimes but when they all when they're all set in place like all of a sudden you're like oh I wake up happy and I can do my workout and I can be motivated and then I can get into the studio and I can be creative and then I can go and have lunch and everything's fine and uh, you know obviously it's not always like that every day but those things definitely help um and before I let you run I want to tell you I love your your take on on burn um, oh, thank you. What, a, what a, a riveting cover of, you know, it's a really brilliant song, but man, your, your take on it, it just brings it to a whole new level. What a beautiful, beautiful take on it. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I basically, my, my brother, um, when we were young, because so he's eight years older than me, he used to always blend music from his bedroom. And I always I just used to kind of listen to it, um, you know, secondhand kind of thing. So recently I said to him, oh, would you make me a Spotify playlist um, of all of the stuff that you used to and I used to in turn listen to? So he made me this playlist that he named Nostalgia. And on there, there's just like Nirvana, Oasis, The Cure, like Smashing Pumpkins like it's so many awesome bands and artists and this particular song was um on there and recently I was thinking of doing a cover and that one just kind of 
popped out and I thought oh, I'm not gonna be able to do that justice but I gave it a go and <laughs> and um it was just it was just really nice to sing and play that way so I thought I'll just I'll just pop it out there so and in this time even though there's a lot of pressure to put a lot of content out I also feel like there's less pressure to make it so perfect because everyone's doing it and I, me being a massive perfectionist quite often I won't release something because I don't feel like it's quite good enough whereas at the moment I feel like because so many people are just well, because there's a, a need to entertain and I want people to be entertained I don't want people to be bored I want people to have things to watch and listen to so I feel like there's slightly less pressure to make things perfect in a weird way I don't know if that's makes any sense but it does it makes perfect sense and and you you were very brave wandering into the church of the cure because you know cure fans are very proprietary i know oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and i know i know yeah. more, i mean i've only just released it so that there's there's still plenty of time for the backlash <laughs> yeah you know what there's none people love what you've done but it was such a brave choice and also probably a little unexpected because there's so many Cure songs that like, you know, mm -hmm. there's obvious choices. This is not an obvious choice. And mm. I mean, I don't know if I would call it a deep cut, but kind of. And, and I think it was a cool one that you did. And, you know, Cure fans seem to be okay with it. They seem that they like it. Yeah, so far, so far, so good. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I like to kind of try and do something which people don't expect. On, even though I don't always achieve that, but I, that's the kind of my aim all the time. Um, so when I do achieve it, it's a nice feeling. So um, I did a little exercise. I wanted to share it with you. I thought it was kind of fun. We'll end with this. Um, that the, I imagine if I was doing my radio show in college, which was late 80s, early 90s, I thought, who would I play Salt Ashes? Where on the playlist would you fall? Like, who are the other artists I would play around you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and here's what I wrote. I wrote Love and Rockets, uh, Kate Bush, Cocteau Twins, and Bauhaus. Mm -hmm. So that's a great list. Yeah, it's a great list. And I thought, well, I would put Salt Ashes right before the Cocteau Twins. And then before you, I had Kate Bush doing Withering Heights. Um, it's just a fun thing to sort of do to kind of go where where would you have fit in if you were making music? That's lush. That's yeah. so lush. I mean, because also that's really subjective, isn't it? Like you ask someone else and they will have completely different genre people that they would put me between, you know? Oh, so that means I'm very happy with those. <laughs> I have loved our conversation. This is my favorite Easter yet. Me too. Me too. It's been so lovely to talk to you. So much fun. I hope you make it out to San Francisco when the world stops ending. I'd love to. And if I do, then you'll take me out. I am so taking salt ashes out if she comes to San Francisco. Of course I would do that. Are you kidding me? Love her. Salt ashes, what a great conversation. And you know what? Her EP, Counting Crosses, is phenomenal. Have I ever steered you wrong? Of course I haven't. Go get it. Saltashes.com. Find her on Facebook. Find her on Instagram. Find her. You need her in your life. Now, I know you listen to my podcast, but if you want more of me in your life, well... Go to my website, alexgreenonline.com. I have a new book coming out in June, and uh, I'll be talking about it nonstop starting 
very soon. Uh, this might even count. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Please visit us wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Leave a rating. Uh, leave a nice note. Tell a friend. All that stuff goes a long way. It really does. It helps to keep the lights on and uh, the water flowing in our massive fountain, uh, which overlooks our gigantic Olympic-sized swimming pool out back behind our studio. And at the bottom it says, Stereo Embers, the podcast. And then there's a picture of me smoking a cigarette made out of $100 bills. <laughs> Dig, if you will, that picture. Uh, let's close the show with Salt Ashes doing that Cure cover we were talking about. This is Burn. Enjoy it. Thank you, as always, for listening. And I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast, only on Bombshell Radio. Talk of words and never